Good morning, Pathway Church. It's a delight to be with you again today, and I'm looking forward to the day that I can actually see you face to face, but we're not quite there yet. But I'm delighted that you are at home and watching, and I hope that uh, God speaks to you today. Our lives are made up of defining moments, and those defining moments take us down a path that sometimes takes us to a place we did not intend to go, keeps us longer than we meant to stay, costs us more than we meant to pay. And then on the other hand, if we go the other direction, it takes us to a place we never believed possible, blessings that are beyond our imagination. The people of Israel are described as going through defining moments, and they always call those moments spiritual moments. That's important for us to understand that there's a spiritual dimension to all of our defining moments, those moments that change our lives one direction or the other. Uh, those spiritual dimensions might be, do I choose to live life in my power or in God's strength? Do I choose to live my life by God's plan or by my plan? Every year at the beginning of the year, a lot of folks make uh, New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've done that before. And we discovered that 70% of people break those New Year's resolutions in the first five days. You know, you're going to lose 50 pounds and you're going to be a great father and all those things that you're going to do. And after five days, you pretty much shot 2020, you know, and, and it didn't quite go that way. And maybe you've kind of given up on ever changing your life. You know, maybe it's never going to be any difference. You're just kind of stuck. You've given in. Well, what if I told you this morning that your life could be tremendously different, that there's a richer and deeper path that you can walk? Would you be willing to do that? Would you follow that path? This morning, we're starting a new series, and we're talking about these defining moments, and we're following the first few chapters of the book of Joshua. And from that first few chapters, we're going to discover what it means to live in the abundance of God. Through Joshua, there's some principles that he has for us that encourage us not to settle and to realize that God has so much more for us. The background of the book, you recall, of Joshua is the people of Israel— have been in Egypt for a long time. They went there with Joseph, and then there came the day that Pharaoh no longer remembered Joseph, the new Pharaoh. And so the people of Israel become slaves in Egypt. And then Moses comes along, and God uses him to lead the people out of Egypt. And there's that miraculous party of the Red Sea, and they walk through on the dry land, and then the Egyptian army is covered up by the water, and it's just an amazing thing. And they're on their way to the promised land, but they get stuck. Uh, they start complaining, and uh, they're unhappy, and they want to go back to Egypt. And God says, okay, enough with you. You can't go into the promised land until this generation is gone. So for 40 years, four decades, they wander around in the desert. And now they're on the east bank of the Jordan River looking over at the promised land, and God says, it's time. Joshua, I want you to take your people into the promised land. Now, Joshua is this brilliant leader. Uh, he's a stern follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, 
and Jacob. And by his faith and obedience, God does some amazing things through Joshua. And it's Joshua, not Moses, who leads the people into the promised land. And so by following some of these principles that we find in Joshua, we too can discover not only their promised land, we can discover the promised land that God has for each of us. The promised land, you remember, for the Israelites was a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, that may not get you too excited. It might, but maybe not. But the promised land today, what does that look like? It's a place of happiness. It's a place of peace. It's a place of contentment. It's a promise that we're called to enter and follow God, and he will help us have a life of purpose and meaning. We can find fulfillment in our work. We can have contentment and security in our finances. And we can have rich and rewarding relationships. Now, I didn't make all this stuff up. This comes directly from Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes. He writes, No, there's nothing better for man than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. So Solomon's basically saying, the promised land for you who are not the Israelites and going into the promised land are these things, finding happiness, finding a way to help others, having enough to live on, enjoying our job. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of folks that are Christ followers that I know that are not experiencing that. They're really not. Mark Buckman says that for many people in the church in America, we've kind of settled. Church has become routine. Uh, when God shows up, we're surprised. <laughs> and uh, and we've really not, are not living this life that Solomon talks about. We're not happy. We don't have a systematic way of helping and serving others. In fact, many really don't want to serve others. We're overspent and under great stress financially. Many people hate their job. They're just waiting for retirement or hoping they can find another job. And the result is there's little contentment and peace in our lives. So I want us to understand today that God has a promised land for us, just as he had for the Israelites. And it's not when we all get to heaven. He has a promised land today that has these characteristics, a place of peace, a place of contentment, and a place of abundance and joy. Too many Christians and too many churches have settled for far less than that. Some of you feel like you left Egypt, but you still haven't arrived at the promised land. You've been forgiven of your sins. You know Christ, but you don't have that deep, intimate walk that you see in others. And you've kind of said, well, maybe that's just not going to happen in my life. You've settled. Today could be a defining moment for you when you make a decision not just to live life in a routine, but to experience the excitement of walking with God every day and discovering his new adventures that he has for you. Chapter 1 of Joshua gives us the first clues on how to find this life of significance and purpose that God intends and wants for all of us. The first step is you have to release the past. Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Well, that may not be a big deal to you, but you got to realize that Moses was the connection point for the Israelites. For over four decades, when they wanted to hear from God, when they wanted to know what God had to say, they went to Moses and Moses told them. He went up on the mountain, came down and said, this is the word of the Lord to you. And now he's dead. I've noticed over the years that when a grandfather or a mother or a father who are the spiritual leaders in their home, when they die, and they've been the one that you've always looked to and the one you've asked to pray for you and the one that you sought spiritual guidance from, and all of a sudden, you have to know what to do. You have to have your own relationship with God. Listen to what it says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. What God is saying is, it's time to move, folks. You got to let go of the past. Moses is dead. It's time to move into the preferable future that I have for each of you. Now, I find a lot of people are kind of like my theologian friend, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown is talking to his friend Linus, and Linus gives this proclamation. Charlie Brown, I think that we spend too much time worrying about the future. I believe that our goal today is to be present today. And Charlie Brown says, no, that's giving up. I'm still hoping that yesterday changes. Some of you are doing that. You're still hoping yesterday's losses get better. You're still clinging to old hurts and old grudges, hoping that somehow it gets better. We carry baggages of disappointment and failures. You're still mourning the loss of a spiritual giant like Moses. It's time to move on. Some churches are still stuck in yesterday, you know. God used to do great things in this church. Well, God still wants to do great things, even greater things in this church and in every church. We're still mourning Moses, but remember when Moses was alive, they defied Moses. They didn't obey Moses. I hear folks talk about how much better it was spiritually back then. How much better it was back then. One of the things about the past is that it always looks better than it was. Are you aware today that you are living in the greatest spiritual age in the history of the Christian church? This is the greatest day of evangelism in the history of the Christian church. Not the church in America, but the church in the world. More Christians are coming to Christ today than ever before in history. We're told that in three to five years, there will be more Christians in the underground church in China than there are in the United States. It's happening in Central America. It's happening in Africa. It's happening in Asia. Thousands upon thousands of people are coming to Christ. It's an exciting time to be a Christian and to be alive in this age. So ask yourself, is there anything in my past that I'm holding on to that's preventing me from experiencing the fullness of God in my life. Whatever it is, whatever's blocking God's preferable future for you, you got to release it. You got to let it go. Let me share with you two important spiritual truths. There's nothing in your life that God is not willing and able to forgive and heal. There's nothing in your life Whatever you've done, there's nothing that God's not able to and willing to forgive and heal. 
But the second truth is also true, and it's important. God can only heal, or God will only heal, what we're willing to reveal. We've got to let him know what's going on. So if you're still swallowing the pill of bitterness, hoping the other guy dies, God says, let it go. Release the past. I have something more for you. And after you release the past, you have to stake your claim on the present. When I was in graduate school in Oklahoma, I didn't know much about the history of the state of Oklahoma. It was pretty interesting. When it became a state, there was kind of a land grab. You could uh, go into Oklahoma and you could stake out 160 acres. And so all these people lined up on the border of Kansas on the day they're opening up Oklahoma. And a gun goes off and people in wagons and people on horseback and people walking run into that land and they literally stake out their claim. They were original pioneers. And it reminded me of what's shared in Joshua 1.3 when it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. God is making that same promise to us today. He wants to give us power and authority over every part of our lives, every place we set our foot. The word in Genesis is dominion. He gives us dominion. The word in Romans that Paul shares is this, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In other words, God wants you to succeed, to thrive, to experience victory in your life. God does not want you to be defeated and depressed. He does not want you to live with a sense of failure. He doesn't want you to be miserable with your family or miserable in your marriage. He wants families to experience joy and happiness. That's his plan for you. It's also true in our finances. He does not necessarily want us to be rich, but he wants us to have security. You know, we know that more does not always mean contentment. But when we follow God's financial biblical principles, he promises us, while we may not be a millionaire, we will have contentment and fulfillment in our financial arena. I want you to hear what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. I'm saying that God wants you to experience joy and peace in every area of your life. I'm not saying that there will not be any storms. I'm not saying that you will not have times when your marriage struggles and you need God's peace there. And sometimes we lack that peace because we're not following God's principles that he gives to us. I'm saying it's time to stake our claim on God's promises that he's given to us. Look at your life this morning. Look at every place that your foot touches. He has given you dominion over that part of your life. Not dominance, dominion. It means that we're not controlled by our circumstances. That no matter what you're going through, you can still be victorious, even if you're going through a crazy virus that's affecting the world. If you want your children and your home to reflect Christ, then you have to claim that for your family and for your children. From the time our boys were born and through our nine grandchildren, we've always prayed for their spouses, their future spouses, which is kind of weird when they're one year old, you know, but, but you know, someday they're going to make that decision. And we, we know that's such an important decision. It will affect their life spiritually in so many ways. We pray for God's guidance for that right person in their life. 
Take a survey of all the places that you touch, at school or the golf course or the gym or your neighborhood or your health or your finances, and it goes on and on. God wants you to know victory in these very ordinary parts of your life. Does that mean that you never lose? No, Joshua lost some battles. But it means that you live your life in victory. You live your life in the shadow of God's provision. That's how Joshua lived his life. And I love that description. We live our lives in the shadow of God's provision. And that certainly applies to your spiritual walk. If you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with certain parts of your life that you're not being obedient, then God wants to give you dominion over that and victory over that. You can experience, according to Paul, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All those things are your inheritance, but so many of us don't claim the inheritance that God has given us. It's time to claim the promise that he's given you for the promised land. So what has he promised us? Well, let me tell you, first of all, what he didn't promise you. He did not promise that we would never know pain. He did not promise that we would never have disappointment. He did not promise we would never suffer loss. He did not promise we would never be depressed. And you say, well, wait a minute. If all those things aren't promised, then what did he promise us? Glad you ask. He promised his presence would be with us. Listen to what he says in Joshua 1.5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now allow me again to remind you of Moses' history. Moses would go up on the mountain to talk with God. And then come down and speak to the people. And when he would go to be with God, remember what it was like when he came back down? He was glowing with the presence of God. So much so that the people couldn't look at Moses. I mean, his his face shone with, with God's glory. And I've read that passage sometimes and I've thought, wow, what would it take to to show the glory of God? To be in his presence so real and so intimately that people could recognize it. And I thought about one of my first trips to Honduras. I didn't know then you don't go to Honduras during the rainy season. And it was the rainy season. It rains every day, all day long. And there's no dryers, so your clothes are always wet. You just can't get them dry. And it's muddy. And uh, we had gone to a church service, and the truck got stuck, so we'd walk two miles. And there was no social distancing. This building probably would hold 70 Americans. There was 200 of us in there. And I'm looking across the room, and the rain's pouring down, and they got lanterns. And I see these two little girls, probably about seven, eight years old. And they were in their best dress, probably their only dress. And it was clean. It was soaking wet, but it was clean. But their feet were muddy because they had no shoes. And as they're singing the songs, their faces are glowing by the lanterns. And, and it's so obvious that God's presence is there. And then an old farmer preaches, uh, doesn't preach, he prays. And about 10 times during his prayer, he says, gracias, Señor. And I'm thinking, what's he saying thank you, God, for? He's working seven days a week. He could only come to church on Sunday night. That's when most of the men came. 
because they had to work during the day. They didn't work for a week. They worked for the next meal. They were making $3 a day. And yet he was saying, gracias, Senor. He had this incredible peace in his life. And I thought, God, I want that kind of peace in my life. I want your presence to be evident in my life. We find the promise to Joshua in 1.5 is echoed in Hebrews 13.5 that says, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. We hear it again in Matthew 28.20. And surely I'm with you most of the time. No, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That may not mean a lot to you at this particular moment, but I promise you there will come a day that that promise will mean everything to you. I was in the hospital a few years ago with May. May was this elderly lady. She had gone through this very serious surgery. She'd survived, but they weren't sure she was going to survive. It was still touch and go. I'm out in the waiting room with her husband, Marvin, and uh, Marvin's battling cancer at that time. They've been married for 57 years. And Marvin started telling me a story. I never knew his story. He goes, Steve, I worked for the railroad for years. And I would come home from working on the railroad. I would load up the family. We would drive 100 miles sometimes to a church. And we would do a concert. They had this gospel quartet. And I was amazed because one of their sons was a prominent attorney. And he was in my church. And I didn't even know he sang. But for years, he said, we did this. We would get back from that two-hour drive, get up the next morning, the kids would go to school, and I would go back to work. And God blessed us, and it was an incredible time in our lives. I'm thinking, as much as he appreciated God being with him then, they were moving to a point in their lives now where that promise that he would be with you was even more important because soon they would be in God's forever family. Christian, whether you realize it or not, or whether you speak it or not, you are never far from God's presence. You're never out of his care. He watches over you all the time. My friend Chuck, Chuck Cooper is a pastor in Lexington, Kentucky, and Chuck was delivering food for needy families during the Christmas season a few years ago. A car passed two other cars and hit Chuck head on, full speed. No time to stop. Both airbags deployed. Cans of food were flying through the car. He didn't get a scrape. No food hit him. It did break his leg. The same leg that he'd had cancer, bone cancer in four years earlier that should have taken his life. And when Chuck got home from the hospital, he said to his wife, death zero, Chuck two. Chuck Cooper understands that God is always with us. And by the way, the church he planted in 1996, he's still the pastor there, and he's still serving that Christ that he loves. When we know God's promise and accept it and claim it, we can experience God's joy at a level we never knew possible. God says to Joshua and the people of Israel, every step you take Every place you go, I am with you. I'll be with you in your victories. I'll be with you on the mountaintops. I'll be with you when you're so low, you have to look up to see the curb. I'll be with you on the bright days. I'll be with you when you're walking through the valley of the shadow. You can count on me. 
And you say, but, but God, I don't feel you. And he says, I'm with you always. And you say, well, well God, I don't, I don't deserve you. And he says, I'm with you always. And you say, well, God, I'm no Moses and I'm no Joshua. And he goes, I'm with you always. If you're going to enter into God's promised land for your life, we must get used to living in God's presence. I want you to understand this morning, even if you're not following Christ, you're in his presence. He's here right now at this moment for you. He's with you when you get up in the morning. He's with you as you go through the routines of your day. He never leaves you. And because he's always there, even when you drift away, it's not a long trip back to God because he's with you. All we need is to open our hearts to him. And he welcomes us with open arms. If you're wandering in the desert this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I would invite you to invite him into your life. He's right there, ready to receive you. If you're a Christ follower and you're living far below the level that God intended for you to live, if you're stuck, I invite you this morning to experience his promise of peace and joy and comfort in every area of your life that you touch. To begin to experience the life that he had planned for you from the very beginning. What are you waiting for? We need to understand what John is saying in John 9, 4 in the message. We need to be energetically at work for the one who sent me here. Working while the sun shines. When the night falls, the workday is over. Release your past. Stake your claim on God's promises. And learn to live in his presence every moment. And you will discover a life and a richness that you never dreamed possible. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we gather together online and live streaming as people are sitting in their living rooms and kitchens remind them that you have a great plan for them you have a promised land for them but to get there they have to release their past they have to let go of their hurts and their pains and their fears and their anxiety and to trust you and they have to stake their claim on your promises and learn to live in your presence so that people will recognize that they have been with you. Lord, may that be true for all of us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning we are going to share together a meal that we celebrated last Sunday uh, as the Holy Week. We remembered that Jesus met with his disciples. He shared a simple meal. And he said, uh, when you do this, realize that we're talking about more than juice and bread. He said, this is my body. And it's broken for you. And as often as you partake of it, do it in remembrance of me. And know that I'm here for you. And, and this is my cup. It represents my body, my blood. And as often as you partake of it, do it in remembrance of me. It's a participation in his life and death and resurrection. It's a promise of his presence. 
So this morning, as you partake of this simple meal, I invite you to think about some stuff in your past you need to release to God and let it go and let God heal you and restore you. Think about some promises of God that you need to claim for your life. And then ask God, can I live in your presence, Lord, to the point that people will know that I've been with you? That they will sense your presence. May it be true in my life. May it be true in your life as we share together. I invite you now, Father, as we bless this bread and as we bless this cup. May your presence, your Holy Spirit, dwell with us for now and forevermore. In Christ's name, amen. Please partake of the bread. his love for us. Let's partake of the cup. We just thank the Lord to be able to remember him and allow his spirit to examine our hearts and to find that renewal over and over and over again in the forgiveness and the atonement of Jesus Christ. So as we conclude today, let's worship as a response um, to being in his word, to hearing from him, to hearing from his Holy Spirit, and to remembering who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So let's just worship together.
Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never fail your promise still stands great is your faithfulness I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me yet. for your promises. Thank you for our past that we can give to you. And that you throw our sin as far as the east is from the west. 
and remember it no more. God, thank you that we can walk in freedom. We claim and we declare it. We claim it. We claim our freedom. We, we claim your peace. We claim your grace in our lives today. We claim you, Jesus. Thank you that we are joint heirs to your kingdom. And thank you, Jesus, that you are interceding right now to the Father on our behalf, pleading for our lives. Thank you so much for your love, Lord. May we only be able to love others the same way you love us. So, Lord, in this time of confusion and, and uncertainty and cabin fever and stir craziness, oh, Lord, may we discover you and find you in the middle of it all. May we find you faithful. You have been so faithful to us, Lord. We trust you and you alone this morning, and we thank you for who you are and for what you're doing, and we love you. We claim and declare and proclaim that we love you this morning, Jesus. Without shame or fear, we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, Pathway. We'll see you next week. If not before then, watch for your emails and your videos, your video testimonies as well. God bless you.